move on to the next movie. Yes. So this was a, a uh, movie recommendation from Chandler to me. I've never seen it before. Chandler has. So I'm going to let Chandler introduce the movie we are talking about now. The, the film is uh, Takashi Miike's 1999 movie Audition. Which um, is uh, I did a little bit of research and this was kind of the movie that basically uh, blew up his career. He made a bunch of like TV movies, the Japanese schlock. <laughs> and then this movie came out and he became a household, well, household in, in a cinephile house, uh, hold name. Um, it's very good. Um, it's one of those movies that. Uh, it's infamous in a lot of ways. It kind of predates a lot of like the really fucked up kind of horror torture stuff that was predominant in the 2000s. But uh, I do think it set the stage for that. And it's a staple of Japanese horror, which is a a really fucked up strain of horror all its own. Uh, Takashi Miike, living legend, has over 90 feature film uh, credits to his name. But this is easy. I, I'd imagine this is his most popular. Uh, yeah, it's probably the the most widely accessed film uh i don't know because it is it is getting a little older now uh, yeah is it going on like 22 years and so yeah, 13 99. assassins i feel like is yeah might yeah. be a little bit more well known these days uh, yeah probably it, probably it, not is his most revered film but just in terms of knowledge because it's been on yeah. netflix and stuff like that the uh so this is a movie i saw about two years ago I actually went to go visit Jacob in Tucson. I saw that the Blu-ray was there. I didn't realize it was on Blu-ray. I bought it. I oh, is that where you bought it? it? The Blu-ray? Yeah, yeah. It, the, oh. At the Zia Records in oh, Tucson. Oh, yes. Very yes. small. Okay, now, yeah. now I remember it. Um, I watched it shortly afterwards, and I I, I think we had, I had the same reaction as you did, where I didn't really think it was going to be about this. Um, It's not what you think it is. It just when you look at the cover, which is just an iconic image. Well, of, here's the question. Uh, what did you think it was? What did I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's because the cover, uh, it, it, it feels like some sort of fucked up psychological nightmare horror, which it mm. is after about an hour and a half of setup. Yeah. And yeah. when I watched it the first time, I kind of felt that like, it almost felt like two different movies where it almost like was catching up with itself at the end. But after sitting on it for two years, and watching it again, knowing where it was going, I, I really, really like this a lot more than I did Interesting. two years ago. So my my experience with this is I've known about Audition for a while. Obviously, um, Chandler had me watch uh, Ichi the Killer, another Takashi gay film, and it is uh, awful. It is a bad <laughs> movie. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The split. So, hey, this is this is a split take. This, th this is, is one of the take. titular split takes that we named the podcast after, but ha <laughs> yes. haven't actually appeared all that much. Ichi the Killer is disgusting. It is reprehensible. It is uh, uh, um, sadistic. I love it. <laughs> yes, it's, and it is. It's a classic. Movie. It is very, very different from Audition because yes. where Audition shows great restraint, Ichi the Killer shows absolutely none. <laughs> yeah. And so. Um, I obviously was going into audition with the the knowledge of who Takashi Miike is, even if uh, I've seen 13 Assassins and that's it's a very violent film. It's not as, yeah. you know, fucked up as as uh, each of the killer each is, the killer. although it's still, you know, by Western standards, it's still a pretty fucked up movie. It's very. And violent. yeah, so I was expecting violence of some sort. 
And I was expecting more along the lines of Ichi the Killer type stuff where it was like throughout. And that was partially the reason why I, I just didn't check it out uh, until recently, because, you know, I heard really good things about it and know, know it's kind of like a, a semi-modern classic of Japanese cinema. So there's no reason I should have put it off so long because I do. I did kind of like tear through Japanese cinema. <laughs> and I, I don't know what exactly I thought it was, but I was always imagining it was more leaning into the um, like a movie audition sort of thing, yeah. which it, it kind of is. But I was thinking more yeah. like there's a sleazy producer who is terrible and there's an actress they hire and she gets revenge on him. That's the movie I had concocted in my mind. And it is which it very- is. <laughs> Kind of, <laughs> but it has nothing really to do with movies. Uh, there is no. an audition with the pretense of hiring an actress, but that is it. That is essentially the only thing that was carried over from my idea of what it was. And it most certainly was not the uh, in the vein of each of the killer levels of, of craziness. Uh, it is a very restrained film, especially from Takashi Miike. Probably the most restrained I've seen from him, period. Uh, yeah, it, it's just a drama he, for most of the yeah. movie. Yeah, it's very simple. Uh, it's very slow moving, static, uh, you know, a lot of atmosphere. Just it's a character drama. It's a very small character drama. It unfolds at a very nice, slow pace. And when it gets creepy, it's just maybe because you've been settled into this typical drama mode for a long time. But I think just because it spends like an hour and 20 minutes setting it up when that stuff finally rears its head, it's extra creepy. It's extra weird. But it also does a really good job at so, sort of hinting at where it's going to go. Um, one of the creepiest fucking things in the whole movie to me. And I don't get scared often in mm. movies. Uh, and uh, watching this again at like two in the morning late at night, I was genuinely like kind of creeped out. But one of the creepiest things to me is like shortly after we should explain the, the premise of the movie which yeah. is a Japanese man who's a producer in Japanese television and movies. Um, he has a, a son with a, his wife, and shortly after the wife dies, seven or eight years down the line, his son is now a teenager, and his son is telling him, you should get back out there. You know, uh, you've done a great job raising me. You, sh- you deserve to find love again. So fearing that he's in middle age, doesn't really have enough time to like experiment and you know try to find someone, he and another producer friend of his set up an audition. For a movie that is likely not going to get made, but he does it under the uh, uh, pretense of being able to find a woman, essentially interviewing for a romantic partner. Um, There he meets a girl. I forget her name. Let's see if it's on here. I don't know. It's Asami. That's her name. There he meets in the audition process Asami, who's like the uh, quaint, little, beautiful, uh, perfect, quote unquote, woman. Um, very loyal, very in ways submissive, and uh, then shit goes off the rails. Um, so what? audition. This is my first time, and I have I have not told Chandler what I think of of this. Movie no, at all. I okay. It's been yeah. a while. Also, so I. I it's been. Hope, hopefully, I will be able yeah. to re- recall it enough to have a, a interesting conversation. Um, this is a movie I liked. Far more than Ichi the Killer. <laughs> well, that it is <laughs> also a movie that I found very frustrating. Oh, no. OK, why? <laughs> so I was very pleased and if anything, uh, very happy and enjoyed myself watching it because it was not Ichi the Killer or anything like it. 
So <laughs> on that level, it was a good recommendation. I very much appreciated its patience in taking its time with things. Um, but I think that that patience with developing the story is ultimately mislaid because okay. it is a it is a nearly two hour film that is de- in desperate need of just getting the fat out of there because it was oh see oh it for no. me and and you know I I had this conversation with uh, one of my friends who we went and saw Possession the other day and. Uh, I don't know if I've come to this realization, but I just don't find things scary or creepy. <laughs> like I'm too impatient okay. for horror movies. And it's it's because I just don't like a good horror movie or a good thriller. Like I feel like the lesson that Jaws taught horror filmmakers is to like keep your your monster in the shadows kind of tease the audience, create the feeling of dread. And yeah. uh, so often that the, the, the filmmakers tease you with uh, danger and with monsters or whatever it is. And I'm just like, stop teasing me. Just get to the fucking shit. I don't. <laughs> it's not. Put that on the box. Just get to the fucking shit. Jacob Kaufman. And so <laughs> where um where where this film like I found none of, very little of it creepy and oh, no. a lot okay. of it just um like okay we know she's fucked up mentally and she's going to do something <laughs> why are you dragging it along with I think there's a lot of scenes in here that are just there especially in the beginning that i i don't think lead to any greater greater feeling of of anticipation of thriller of pushing the 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 plot forward furthermore um i think the the opening scene is a really good uh mood tone setter it's very evocative with the, the or his wife dying and their their son uh gets there right after she's she's dead um it's a good scene it has nothing to do with the ending of the movie other than in, in very in a very superficial way taking a step back i think a a opening scene needs to set up a theme it needs to set up something about the ending of the movie it needs to have some sort of cohesion and the issue i have is that if you're starting and emphasizing the this this man's wife is dying, great. That continues on because he obviously he looks for a different wife many years later, but that's a superficial element. And you know the things that the scene emphasizes, which I thought were very interesting, is the child, uh, his son gets there right after she she dies, doesn't get to see him her again, and he he feels distraught at her death, and. It is very, very little of that comes back in the rest of the movie. There are a few moments when he feels guilty, but that just fades out after after a while. And at the very end, um, I'm like the relationship between him and his son was wasn't particularly interesting. It was just like his son was there to suggest, oh, you should 
find someone to date. Yeah. And then like I wanted more character wise from from that relationship and I didn't get any of it. And the opening scene I felt was setting interesting things up that were never explored or done anything with because then we cut to 10 years later and they have a great relationship. The death of the wife has no lasting emotional impact on the two of them, I felt. And I just and I think that's indicative of, of a larger like there's other things in the movie where I, I felt like it could have it needed to be the the emotional character element needed to be explored more for being such a drama. Yeah. But I think Takashi Miike for me was just too too interested in in exploring and setting up in a very slow burn way this separate plot of this this woman coming into his life and all that. To me, that's not ne- the the father son relationship. To me, is not the point of the movie. The opening no, scene, it's not. But it, yeah, but it takes so, but it takes a lot of time of the movie. Kind of. It's okay, so this is the way I read it. Right, the opening scene. Obviously, there's like a sort of emotional passing of the torch. The kid doesn't even get to see his mom die, so he he's the the husband is sort of the bridge between these two people. Wife dies. Full focus on the child. Cut to however many years later, they do have a great relationship. And I think that's the point is the fact that he felt the need to be a single parent, raise his kid right and not, you know, uh, distract himself with other women. His son was the sole focus. Cut to many years later, they have a great relationship. And even to the point where the kid is like, okay, he's essentially saying you've done a good enough job. Now focus on yourself. And that's that sort of like that that idea that to focus on yourself sort of what kickstarts this whole thing. Um, the son to me, I like it because the son, he's being raised right. He's he's confident, he's smart, and now he's taking up romantic interests of his own, you know, the girl from his class. And that I think acts as a good catalyst, like emotional catalyst to get the husband to sort of focus on himself now. And I think that's the whole point of the movie is that this guy, he's focusing on himself. Um but what I find really interesting about this movie is that what he does, this whole audition process, and I think it has even more weight post Me Too, is that this guy, he's not a bad guy at all. No. I, he's he's uh, a good he's man. A, he's a good anything, father. He's a really good man. Yeah. Yes. What he does is shitty. It's not as outwardly shitty, uh, uh, straightforwardly shitty as like a lot of the stuff that, you know, sleazy producers usually do. But what he does on paper is not good. It's manip- he's manipulating these uh, these women's ambition and that sort of invites the punishment, which is uh, Asami coming into his life. And but I think, it's yeah, mu- yes, but it's not much yeah. of a punishment for that. Like her. The reason why she attacks him has nothing to do with how he found her. Yes, it is. No, no, it has everything to do with him, him being uh, not devoted to her in a single minded way like but the she, whole re- her her goal there was she wanted him to be there just for her no one else no one else uh, love she didn't want him loving anyone else i didn't like it, near the ending scene but, i didn't get any like her grievance was oh you're you auditioned me i feel yeah. used I didn't, no, but that to, wasn't to me, part me when you see when you see Asami's like life, whatever, obviously she lit very abusive childhood. And to me, she becomes like an almost sort of ghost, 
like this this spirit of vengeance that literally the only reason that he suffers this torture is because he gives into that temptation of uh, manipulating these women to get what he wants. Again, it's not necessarily uh, a fitting punishment for what he does, all things considered. Yeah, but it's and the I, fact I, one that of the he, things I I did like about the ending, yeah, uh, when it goes batch insane, is he doesn't deserve what he's getting, and that makes it all the more terrible and sort of <laughs> yeah. enjoyable to watch in that way. Yeah. I don't know. It's just it's an interesting dynamic because it, it asks the question. Is there such thing as like harmless manipulation? Because, yes, obviously, I don't think he deserves to get his fucking leg cut off <laughs> or his feet cut <laughs> off. But I, I don't know. It was what he's doing. Is it something that could be so easily brushed off? I don't know. They're interesting questions to me. But mm-hmm. I think, again, I know you don't find it scary. And, and, you know, like I said, I don't find a lot of things scary, but there are little things that really freak me out. I, I, I didn't say it before, but one of the freakiest parts of this whole movie is early into the audition process. When Asami gets her first callback, I love that scene where she's just sitting on the tatami floor just like this. And when the phone goes off, she has that crooked little smile and you see that dude in, in the bag just start squirming. That is creepy to me. And I don't I don't get creeped out often, but that genuinely is creepy to me. And I'm I'm wondering if this is just a uh, this film is a casualty of expectation, which is very, very often with with me. Because that a lot of the the elements of the movie that were intended to set up and to create tension, I felt were too obvious and too like annoying in a way. Like that yeah. scene in particular, I was like, okay, well, she's crazy. Just get <laughs> on with it. Like it, it felt like too much too soon. Of, okay. And but that's I not, that's I, but, not but, the but first like, thing. Right. But as I, as I think about it, like, I'm not sure there's any real reason I shouldn't in, in, in appreciate that, that setup. Cause there is a clear buildup of first we see her in that room. And the first time we see her, she's just kind of, weirdly still and waiting in the audition room no in her her house oh and then it's not until like i think the second time we cut back that we get that that scene where she gets the call and that like there's a good progression to that stuff i just felt like it progressed so slowly and promised too too much too soon you know it's funny is that a lot of what you're saying right now, a lot of mm. these thoughts, these these criticisms, um, it's kind of the, the way I felt watching Cure. <laughs> Interesting. So I feel like we sort of have flip flopped on the, mm. these these Japanese horror movies, although I do. I think I like Cure more than you like this. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just I don't scare easily, but she's creepy. Uh, yeah, she's creepy. unsettling and, and the one- from the beginning, too. One of my own, the other things um, I would have appreciated more of, and it's it's mostly just like when I say I would appreciate more of, I felt like there wasn't much going on under the surface and like everything you were talking about, the the beginning with the kid and setting up why he's doing the audition. Yes, I, I, I agree. That's all really well um, constructed. It's just not particularly uh, interesting other than itself as a as a plot um and i'm not sure there's anything like interesting to read into it and all that and um 
I just felt like the amount of time it spends on the the drama and the characters, it yeah. needed something more. And one of those things was uh, her motivation and why she is the way she is, I felt was very um, underexplained. And, you know, this is like a a double-edged sword. In a In a traditional horror film, you don't want to explain any of that, but this is more of a drama film and she's seeking revenge essentially at the end. So I think it's sort of important to, to explain a little bit. And, yeah. you know, she is a psycho and <laughs> she's demanding uh, unconditional love from, from him, but taking it way too far and way too like single-minded about getting back at, at the men in her life. Um, yeah. Like, so I got that she she doesn't um, she doesn't like men. She thinks they're all liars and manipulative. And I think yeah. that that is set up. Her backstory explains that portion. Um, but the 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 lengths she goes to and what she she you know she makes him swear you know you you'll only love me. There'll be no one else. And I felt that was very interesting, a very interesting idea of how she wanted him to be just devoted to her. Um, and I felt like that was not explained whatsoever by her backstory, that she was abused as a, a child by the, the director of the, the ballet school or whatever he was, yeah. the teacher. And that just felt like she had a really shitty past and hates men. Great. That explains that. But. You know, I, I'm not like I wanted more with regards to why she's so in, invested in wanting someone who is honest and unconditional with her. But to me, OK, I think that's another difference is to me, I don't think she's looking for that. I think that was just her getting to manipulate these men. Her because ploy? to me, Yeah, that's part of her ploy, because the way I see it is that she's not seeking revenge on any one person in particular. That's why there's that guy in the fucking bag. She's just going to keep doing it. She finds a new guy, fucks with him, new guy, and just keeps going on. She's like a spirit, a wandering, revengeful spirit. Um, mm. And he just happens to be her, her current target. Um, so I don't necessarily buy that she was actually looking for love, just sort of getting them to devote themselves fully. And that's when she goes full in on them. I think I think it would be wrong. Uh, I see what you're saying. And I think there's there's some merit to it. But I, I don't necessarily mean that she was looking for him to provide that. Yeah. And I, I think I would agree with you that she knew from the beginning he wasn't going to be. He was going to be just another victim. Um, but she is setting up like her own trap for him. Yeah. Like, if she's just going to punish guys that she think, thinks are shitty, why not just punish them? Why go through the whole charade of. Uh, of making him make the promise and having sex with him. I think she knows but did they? He, she's getting him to do that because she knows he's already failed at it. It's a trap. Yeah. But there's still some motivation for wanting to do that, for coming up but, with that yeah. as her modus operandi. The, the motivations to me, though, they're so vague and, and unexplained that she doesn't uh, she doesn't function in my way in my own perception like a normal character person she's she's an idea more than anything so i think the the non-specific or the not necessarily logical nature of her actions work for me because they're under that veneer of her just being uh, not a real person 
She's kind of a girl boss. <laughs> Do you think she effectively channeled girl uh, girl boss energy when she cut off his legs? Well, it's funny because a lot. I was going through the special features, which uh, has a friend of the show, Tony Rains, who just shows up and fucking everything. <laughs> and uh, he said that like uh, the reception upon um, uh, release was very mixed, as some people saw it as a feminist allegory, and some people saw it as like just deplorable. <laughs> in what it was attempting to say. And I do think it like meets in the middle in a way that I think is very interesting because again, when, when I watched this, what really interested me is that I, the whole time I was thinking to myself, does he on any level deserve this? <laughs> and on some levels he does deserve to be punished because I don't necessarily think there is a such thing as a uh, harmless manipulation to that degree. Go that far? Probably not. But again, to me, she's not like, She's not a vigilante. She's just this sort of fucked up half person spirit. Um, and the torture scenes are very fun. Whatever she says when she's doing the, the, <laughs> the pins. Or, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. Also, not necessarily scary, but one of the most fucked up things I've seen in recent memory is her puking into that bowl and making the tongueless man eat it. Oh. That was that was a classic, uh, like it leaned into the Ichi the Killer vibe there. Yeah. I didn't mind it because it was, uh, you know, one off. It wasn't that kind of like grossness yeah. wasn't uh, pervasive throughout everything. It was pretty epic. So, yeah, I guess my my what I've been dancing around, my criticism comes around to it's it's two hours. I felt like there was some interesting psychological and character based things that they were getting at. and if they were going for more of just kind of a setting up this situation yeah this this crazy vengeful spirit i felt that that would have justified a shorter running time not as much build up not as much just existing with these characters um but all my criticism is just is stemming from essentially i just yeah. felt like a few a few of the scenes were just yeah. like uh, you know, we know where this is going. You can, I, I will entertain a little bit fun, like cheeky setting up things and foreshadowing, but at, at some point you get, you get on with it. Yeah. It's also got one of my favorite actors. Let's see if I can find his name. Cause he's in fucking everything. Yeah. Good old June Kunimura. <laughs> Love him. He's in everything. <laughs> he's the best part of the whaling. I keep seeing the wailing on Amazon Prime and thinking I should rewatch that for Halloween. I think I will, too, because and yeah, it's just it's just long. It is long. I wanted to see Malcolm X, which is leaving at the end of October. And I've like four days ago, I just said to myself, I'm not finding three and a half hours. It's not happening. (laughs) Sorry, Spike. Some other time. Yeah. Yeah. I'd happily get the Blu-ray audition good i think it's better than each of the I, I think it was a good movie i'll even say i think it's a, a I, good movie i uh i've been waiting thinking about it but you know what look ready hold on ready mm, don't there do it, it. <sighs> there it is five stars okay we have to have we have to have split takes at some point yeah i'll give it one star just for just for the, the shits and giggles <laughs> that's more than ichi isn't it no you gave ichi one or half i don't know what i gave ichi i'm not gonna I, it's, I do want to see what did you give it i'm curious uh ichi it's been a while one and a half almost entirely useless the ending helped it make it a little less 
With me, me, and you discussing Ichi feels like that uh, interview with Tarantino and the the woman on Kill Bill, where you're like, why, why did the title card have to be written in cum? Because it's so much fun, Jacob. Get it. <laughs>